Welcome. You are listening to the End Time Courage Podcast with Lauren and Amy. Welcome, guys. We're so happy to have you guys back. Uh, we hope that you're enjoying all these podcasts thus far, but we we have a treat for you today. Uh, Amy and I got together and we decided the next few podcasts that we want to kind of bring you into our life of the trauma and things that happen to people um, that maybe you think to yourself, I am just done. I can't go any further. Um, I'm tired of being tired. I just don't know what to do. What do I do when I don't know what to do? And when we talk about being a Joseph, or even if you're not, if you have a different calling on your life, or uh, maybe you're in a season in your life that you're like, I just don't know how I got here, and I just don't know how to get out. We've been there, and there is a way out, and all is not hopeless, and all is not lost, and you have to remember that these times that we do have these prison moments or these moments of wilderness moments, they make us so incredibly equipped for what the Lord has called many of us to do, and they're necessary, and they're mandatory. I thought we could start with you today, Amy. Okay. I love your story. Amy, and oh, by the way, before we go any further, we are having a women's conference at North Georgia Revival Christ Fellowship at Dawsonville. And Amy, you're a speaker again. I am. You spoke last year. And guys, this is huge because the conference brings in about a thousand ladies a year. And be honest with you guys, when I very first heard Amy speak, I thought to myself, oh my God goodness, where did she learn to communicate like this? You were such a great speaker. Mm. And the last time you told your testimony at the women's conference, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I told you, you stole the show. (laughs) The Lord just oozed out of you. And it is because your testimony is that big and that grand. Mm. And I, I never, um, I never get tired of hearing it. Mm, So I'm excited to, if you would just pour into these ladies. So Go ahead. I mean, testimony. How do you want to start this? It's so big. Where do you want to start? (laughs) So it is so big. And but I thought that this was going to be a great opportunity because, you know, as you know, uh, today uh, I'm going to share my testimony. And then next week you're going to be able our listeners are going to be able to hear your testimony. And I realized that we have kind of given our our what and even a little bit of our why, um, but we haven't really uh, given our who. Like, who is yeah. Lauren and Amy of In Time Courage with Lauren and Amy? How did we arrive at this place where we're talking about prophetic things, where we're talking about the end times, we're talking about bread, we're talking about finances? How did we arrive here? And who, you know, who are these two girls that are are speaking that we're listening to? Like, I would want to know that. Yeah. You know, and I love the the personal stories of, of the people that I listen to that I'm instructed by because who they are is what's going to come out through what they communicate. And sometimes it helps us to understand why they're passionate about certain things or maybe why they're not passionate about other things. Mm-hmm. And right, so like, why are you qualified to be talking about these things? Yeah. Right? Who are you? Where do you come from? Exactly. And, you know, learning, especially about the fivefold that, you know, if you're an evangelist, you're going to have this kind of bent. Mm-hmm. If you're a teacher, you're going to have this kind of bent. So and, 
you know, knowing that kind of going into it helps you receive better because you know what to expect and that, you know, this prophetic person is not going to sound like your favorite teacher mm-hmm. and, you know, the your favorite evangelist is not going to sound like your favorite prophetic voice. So good. And so kind of knowing a person's gifting, a person's story, their background, I believe helps you understand where they're coming from and why they're coming from that place. And so today I'm just going to, I'm just going to share about who is, who is Amy of Lauren and Amy. And so very quickly, cause I do want to get uh, to the part of my testimony that you're, that you're mostly talking about, but I was raised here in Georgia. I was born to Christian parents. Both of my grandfathers were pastors so both of my parents were PKs and the preacher's kids. And I was raised in Alpharetta. I still love that area. Um, it brings, you know, all the the good comfort feelings from... Guys, that area is a very high class, <laughs> high end area. So it's a beautiful area. Yes, we do love that area. It, it is. And, and, you know, and I used to think I had to even apologize for that. No. Um, because my family was not overly wealthy. We really were not. Yeah. But we were surrounded by wealthy people. Our church was wealthy. Yeah. And so I learned... Um, how to behave in that culture, mm-hmm. you know, and they play by their own set of rules. Yes, they do. And they're very proper. Yes. And, and so that was my environment that I was being raised up in, which you can kind of see on me now. Yes. And so that's, that's my background. Those were the people that I were around, that I was around. So I was raised in Alpharetta, went to church. We were Southern Baptist. And I thank God for the Baptists. You know, I, I know a pastor who always jokes that they all, they, um, all the Baptists led us to the Lord, you know, which is most of so our true. stories um, because they were so big in evangelism. And I took all the, the cross, the cross, the cross, the yes, cross. Yes. Yes. And I took all their evangelism courses and loved it. My mom was such a godly lady. She was the biggest influence in my life taught me how to pray, taught me how to read the Bible. She taught Sunday school as far as I can remember. And in fact, in, in the Baptist faith, at least in our church, women, you know, could not teach men, but men would buy her cassette tapes of her Sunday school teachings because they wanted to learn from her. She was studied the Hebrew and the Greek and she was, a learner. Mm-hmm. She really loved to learn. She loved, loved, loved her Lord. And so her and I, as I grew up, we really, we really became best friends. We went to conferences together. We went to Bible studies together. We prayed together at night. And so uh, she was just, she was just such an amazing part of, of my life and in, in my history with God. She sounds so lovely. Oh, she's just, uh, an absolute blessing. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those people that no one had anyone, anything to say bad about her. And she's very gentle. She's very gentle. She's very meek. She liked to be behind the scenes. If you called her name in a crowd full of people, she turned red and, but she would, go behind the pulpit in her, her lady Sunday school class. And she would teach with such boldness 
and authority because God had given her such a special anointing to speak. Oh my gosh, Amy, you know who you're describing. Well, what's so Yourself. funny? <laughs> what's so funny is I remember I would sit there and I was, you know, even as a teenager, I'd be like, "Oh man, thank God that I am not called to that because you, you know this looks horrifying." And because I'm a background singer. You know? <laughs> Um, cause in, you know, the Baptist world, you sing in the choir, that's where you learn to sing, which I think honestly is amazing because you learn how to cooperate with a group. There's something about being one of 70 singing, yeah. um, that there's no like one man shows there's, you know, and not that I think that if it's not that it is a one man show, but it certainly removes the potential yes. Of thinking, you know, like I am the worship team. Right. You know, like nobody thinks that in a 70 a member choir. No. Because you never hear one voice. You hear all the voices together. And so I was very comfortable being one person in a 70 member choir. You know, um, that was where I was, was very comfortable. I like being in the background. I like supporting my mom. Well, then when I was 22, I married uh, my husband, Jeff. Uh, we met through just an interesting uh, kind of an event of where I get lost in Duluth. I end up at Meadow Baptist Church, but I go ahead and fill out a visitor's card at the request of the person that I'm sitting with. And in my mind, I'm never coming back to this church. I'm lost. (laughs) You know, I'm very happy at my Southern Baptist Church in Alpharetta going with my parents. And I was pretty sure if the Lord ever did want me to get married, that he certainly would send my husband there. Right. And so that was my plan. Um, but time went on. It's too long of a story to go into, but he was uh, in charge of evangelism and visitation. So he's the one who ended up with my visitor's card. Funny. And so long story short, we end up dating. I end up joining Meadow Baptist Church. We're married, you know, in 1997. Uh, we have our daughter in 2000. We have our son in 2005. He becomes the senior pastor right in the middle of that in 2002. And what a lot of people don't know is I had grown up and I knew how to seek the Lord uh, with everything that I knew at that time. But I actually had complications with my pregnancy with Landon. Mm. And that drove me to a a place with the Lord that I had never been before. And I kind of did that with my mom. Uh, Her and I were warring for the life of this baby and so he's born he's completely healthy and then about two months old he starts having seizures Mm. and they can't figure out why so at four months old he is put into Eggleston hospital he has to have a spinal tap the doctor calls Jeff and I in and tells us that we need to prepare to possibly lose this baby And Jeff came home to take care of Alicia, and I stayed in that hospital with Landon. And I would just pray all night that, Lord, save the life of my baby. And such uh, intimacy with the Lord in that hospital room uh, with no window, Mm -hmm. just right in the middle of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling people, you know, I'm going to leave this hospital when my son leaves this hospital. We're leaving together and I'm not leaving a minute before. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Lord performed a miracle. Our church was up um, having all night prayer meetings for him. And the doctor finally came in and they were running tests on him constantly. And he came in one day and said, we don't know what happened, but not only is Landon 
not having seizures now, he has no trace of having any seizures. Because what I didn't know is that when you do a scan of the brain, it's much like the heart. You can look at a heart and know if it's had a heart attack. Well, you can look at a scan of a brain and know if it's had a seizure. Okay. And so all of that had been wiped out. God had miraculously healed our son. Wow. We came home. Um, he's completely healthy. When he was four, he was uh, bitten by an ant at my mom's house. He goes into anaphylactic shock. By an ant. Yes. Oh, my word. And so I'm learning how to walk with Jesus while I'm learning how to fight for this boy's life. And it's causing me to trust the Lord in a new way. Mm-hmm. But God is is healing, you know, each time he's watching him do this. I'm watching him do this. He's bringing me through these trials and even fairly quickly. And what I'm not realizing at the time is that I am in training for what's coming. Mm. You know, God battle coming. Yes. Cause there was a big battle coming and the Lord was showing me how to walk through small battles And he was showing me where he is in the midst of a battle. I love how you said small battles because just not knowing the the story as it continues, if you know, new listeners, some of you walking through this with your child, you would think that's not a small battle. Seizures with your child in the hospital, spinal taps. But hindsight, looking back compared to what you were about to go through, it's a small battle. It was. And I would think... I think I could even say more short than small, mm-hmm. but sometimes we measure our battles by their length. Got it. Yep. Because something that goes on for a long time seems bigger, even if it wasn't. Right. And so I'm, I'm getting my own history with God is basically what is happening through these trials with my son. Mm-hmm. And so this was all in like 2005, 2006. He was born in 2005. And then the ant thing was 2009. You know, Jeff is pastoring, you know, still what is Meadow Baptist Church. The church is growing. Uh, We've relocated and the kids are in school. Life is somewhat normal. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching Bible studies. Like you're doing everything right. Yes. This is everything. Like your whole life, you know, when I'm listening to you um, and when we get next week into uh, my testimony, you guys will see vastly how different they are, but... What I'm noticing is whether you did everything right and whether you did everything wrong, when the fire and hell comes after you, right, we all know pain, we all know trauma, and it doesn't matter if you walked the tightest rope and did everything right or you just totally messed it up. Yes. It's coming for you and you knew what to do. That's exactly right. And, you know, the scripture says that it rains on the just Just and the unjust. Yes. And the enemy comes after all of us. Yes. But you're right. There is definitely the tendency when you are doing everything right to the best of your ability. Yes. It hits you harder when something really, really bad You can get offended. Like, Lord, I have done X, Y, Z. Yes. Why? Yeah. Yes. So what's interesting is my mom had many things happen to her in her life. And one of her favorite things to say was, why not me? Mm. Why not me? Mm. You know, why would this person go through something, but I would think that I would be unscathed. She very much had that mindset. Now, she knew her authority in Christ, but she also knew that the fellowship of his sufferings has to mean something. Yeah. That that has to look like something in her life. And she was the most unoffended person I've probably ever met. 
So in 2011, things are very normal, I would say. Uh, Jeff and I would both have given the testimony that we are enjoying life. You know, we um, have these two children. We're both very active in ministry. I'm on our worship team. I'm doing Bible studies. I'm discipling women. The church is growing. Things are good. And so his birthday comes on in 2011. Here it comes. And uh, my mom and dad come over to celebrate his birthday. And so what was interesting is my mom came over every single week. And I want to put these tidbits in here as, as means of encouragement. Every time, and I really do mean every time up until that day, my mom and I would go get food and bring it back home. Alicia would go with us mm. every single time she because she wanted to be where her mama was, mm-hmm. you know, that they were very, very tight. So they come over on the morning of July, uh, June 16th. And that afternoon, her and I decide we're going to go get dinner. We're going to bring it back home. Uh, we're going to stop at Kroger. We're going to go to a birthday cake. And that way, Landon, my dad and and Jeff can just stay there, which is typically what they would do. Mm-hmm. So as my mom and I were getting our shoes on, getting ready to leave to, you know, so that we can have this nice, fun birthday later, as I touch the the knob of the front door to leave, cars comes on the television and Alicia turns and sees it and says, oh, I love this movie. Do y'all care if I stay home and watch it? Stop it. See, I didn't hear this part. This is why I love your testimony because I always pick up different tidbits when you tell it. Yes. Guys, this never gets old. Okay, go ahead. Yes. And so, of course, we told her, yes, you know, we'll be back. You know, we'll be back in 20, 30 minutes. You stay here, you know, with Grand Danny, you know, your dad and your brother. Watch Cars. It's, it's not a problem at all. Yeah, we'll be right back. And so we hop in my car, I'm driving, uh, we go and we get Zaxby's, we come back um, by Kroger, she gets him a birthday card, we pick up a birthday cake, and we're leaving and we're two miles from home, and we're on Brazelton Highway going back to, to our house, and her and I are laughing. I also want to give this tidbit that I don't know that I've shared my mom had just found out that one of her friends, who I was friends with as well, had found out that morning that she had had pancreatic cancer. Mm. And she was going out to the Mayo Clinic to be looked at to see what her options were. And my mom, after we leave Kroger, is telling me, I just want you to know, if I had found out this morning that I had pancreatic cancer, I don't want you to be mad at me, but I would not be going anywhere. I have lived a good life. I feel like I've done everything I've ever wanted to do. I would not fight to stay here. Mm. How old was your mom? She was 58. So that's still young. She but was young. That, that, was, that, that, that tells me just the peace that surpasses all understanding. The okayness about whatever may come. Yes. Like, like she was that secure yes. with Christ. Yes. It was fine either way. It was fine either way. And so she's telling me this in this two-mile journey wow. home. But what was so interesting, Lauren, is she goes, but, um, but she's like, but you, young lady, you have two kids to raise. No matter what happens, you fight to live. Why is she 
you telling me? Right. And this I'm is so perfect. And I'm, I, I would say that I was thinking about it, but I really wasn't. Because mom and I talked about deep things all the time. Right. But as she was talking about, like, I'm ready to go to heaven, you know, I'm just responding like, oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome to see Jesus one day. I'm, and so I'm not really picking up on the fact of how instructional she's being, but I'm about to, like two minutes later. Is your mom prophetic or was she prophetic? Very. Okay. Very prophetic. Very prophetic. Hmm. And so I was like, well, of course, you know, my kids, my kids need me. At the very end of this conversation, we, we are just writing down someone crosses the center line, hits us head on. Um, immediately I am hurting so badly. I don't know what exactly is wrong because I'm hurting everywhere, but I recognize we're spinning. I see that my windshield's cracking, but I'm kind of going in and out of consciousness. Mm. And so I wake up a couple of minutes later and my mom's seatbelt has failed. And so she's in my lap, groaning, bleeding. I'm unable to move at all. And I don't know why. So all of a sudden you see this mass coming towards you. And then it's just kind of like things are chaotic. Like yes. you don't really know the details. You saw you saw the car. Yes. Boom, it's happened. You're spinning. Things are everywhere. Your mom is in your lap. You're you can't move. Right. That happened like that. Yes. And that's what that was what was so interesting. We literally went from laughing talking in in, in in a second mm. our lives have completely changed and I realized that there's people outside but our doors would not open mm. and so I can hear this chaos I'm worried about my mom and I don't understand that I can't lift my hands to help her I want to help her but it was like I was paralyzed I couldn't move so like you're thinking about moving your body parts but it's not moving correct and the reason you know I found out later is because basically from neck down I was crushed you know I had many broken bones but a lot of my bones were just crushed which means that they're in tiny fragments Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that's going to be healed and you know without the help of a lot of metal a lot of titanium all of that's going to come, but all I know is I can't move. At this point, when you're thinking to yourself, I can't move, all this has happened. You hear people outside. You hear voices. Stuff's everywhere. Your mom's in in your lap. Do you have a sense of panic or anxiety or, or your mind is just – there's no time for your mind to go there because you're trying to figure out what happened? Like are you panicking or you're just like – trying to figure out what's going on like I Uh, where's your mind at it's interesting but because I've heard other people say this that there is a a level of pain where you become not aware of anything else okay and I was in that to where you can't process anything but what is right in front of you and I remember this loud high-pitched ringing in my ear and it's like all your senses kind of zero in on one thing. Okay. And But what was interesting is I had heard all my life, and I thought that maybe it was just like in the movies that when you have a life-threatening experience that your whole life flashes before you. That happened it involuntarily. Oh. 
I remember um, being saved. I remember uh, my wedding day. And it was like these just quick flashes, like if you were just going through a photo album of one picture after another of me having my children, of, you know, of very good days in my life. It was like it just flashed through my mind. And so in my mind, I thought, I'm dying. Mm. I know she's dying. And I'm pretty sure that I'm dying. Was there fear at that moment? Um, you know what? It's the craziest thing. At that moment, because I literally thought that I was going to die, and there was a point, and I won't go into it into in this podcast, that I was able to, and I know this is going to sound strange, but I feel like that my spirit was leaving my body, and I was looking down at my car with my body in the car. Oh, wow. See, that's new. You've never, I've never heard this part. I've not I shared love interviewing this. you. And I, so at that point, I'm relieved. Are you? I'm in so much pain. And my mom is in so much pain that my first thought was for her and I to both arrive in glory at this moment would be really, really wonderful because I need to get out of this pain. Like you needed an escape. I need an escape. Or this is fine with me. From the physical pain that I was experiencing. And literally in that moment, I'm remembering her words that I have two children at home. And all of a sudden my mind flashed to them that they're home watching cars. They have no idea what's happened to us. My life has changed. Their lives have changed and they don't even know yet. And no one knows where we are. And so at that time, someone was able to open the door, set her up and they were talking to her, but she was completely unresponsive. Did you know what that moment I just, I knew when I glanced at her, I couldn't turn my head, but I could move my eyes to see her enough that I knew I'm never going to see my mom again. Mm. And I went back unconscious. And when I woke back up, she was gone. I see. They had taken her out of the car. I think that that was God's grace. I see. That I didn't have to watch that happen. But then I'm still stuck. You know, it's a, it's a like high 90 degree day. I've now been in the car for probably an hour with my door closed, my windows up, I'm in horrible pain. And a firefighter gets in in my mom's seat and tells me the jaws of life are coming from a different accident scene. We're going to have to cut you out of here, but you're going to have to sit here until it gets here. You were literally pinned. I was pinned. And even if you weren't pinned, you couldn't move. Correct. There's no way of helping yourself. No. You were completely at the mercy of other people. And most importantly, the Lord. Like you could not control the situation. I couldn't at all. And so I'm in and out of consciousness. I don't really know how long I was trapped, but it was for a long time. And the air is stifling. It's hot. I can't breathe. And then the moment of getting me out of the car was the most painful because my limbs are just falling. I mean, the, the bones are so messed up and the, the moving out of me, out of the car was probably the most uh, pain I had, I had ever been through. And I've been through natural childbirth and it was nothing to compare Mm. with what I was going through in in this accident. And so, you know, this is just the first few minutes, right? You know, this is just the first few minutes and all of this is happening. So they end up taking my mom to one hospital, me to a different hospital. And 
Um, on the way down there, I'm just like, Lord, I have to be here for my kids. I need you to save my life. I don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm praying, please save my mom. I want my mom. Please save my mom. Don't let things in like this. Yeah. And so I get down to Atlanta Medical. Um, they begin, uh, you know, I'm in MRI machines. I'm having cat machines. You know, I mean, all the all, cat scans, all the things, all the things. Um, and all I can think about is my mom and my kids, my mom and my kids. And and I'm alone. You know, I'm by myself. I don't even know if my family knows where to find me. And I can't, you know, I can't uh, really communicate in a way. Um, although I forgot this little tidbit when the man opened the door to check on my mom, I involuntarily started calling out Jeff's cell phone number. Mm. And I was saying it over and over and over again. And he finally came and he told me, he said, I have talked to your husband. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so even, you know, the Lord giving the presence of mind of remembering a phone number Mm -hmm. that I don't dial. I just, you know, hit a name. That's right. And so the Lord's already, you know, he's, he's around, like there's a lot of pain. The enemy's talking. Oh, sure. I'm talking and God is talking. Yes. You know, and I'm laying there in this table trying to decipher which voice is who, Mm. you know, uh, Lord, I need not to to mention all the narcotics at this point that are running through your mind, hallucinations. You know, I worked in the hospital trauma unit for eight years. They hallucinate. Right. We're trying to control the pain, but we're also trying not to keep them completely where they just don't breathe. Correct. Unless they're on a vent, you know, so there's a lot of things happening in your body. Yes. And so morphine, you know, was their first go to with me um, because they could tell by looking at me and they're talking. Are we going to save the leg? Is she losing the leg? Are we going to be able to save these fingers? Is she going to lose these fingers? Um, I'm hearing this. My eyes are closed. I literally do not have the strength to open my eyes, but I can hear what's being said. And so all I knew was I was going into a surgery the next day that was going to last probably 18 to 20 hours. You're hearing this. Yes. Okay. And they're going to try to save my leg, but there are no guarantees. They're going to try to save a wrist. or going to try to save an elbow, try to save an arm, try to save fingers, um, the ankle's completely crushed. All three, you know, all three bones that connect the ankle. The ankle's gone. It's blown. I'm just hearing all of this, but I'm wondering, like, how's my mom? Yeah. How's my mom? And so it's it's overload. It's it's more than what you can handle without the Lord. In the flesh, there's no way. There's no way. And so um, I... You know, long story short, I end up going through surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery. They were able to save my leg. What a lot of people don't know is that they basically built a prosthetic ankle and leg, but they placed it in my skin. This is great. Rather than attaching it to the top of my leg. That's a good surgeon right there. It was a great surgeon. And from what I understand, it had never really been done before. He wasn't even sure that it would work. Mm -hmm. But the reason he decided that is somehow the way the engine, the car came in and crushed my leg, it crushed all of the bone and didn't give me a scratch. Crazy. And so my skin was flawless. You know, you would look at my leg and think that it was fine, except for the fact that it looked very, you know, deformed. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me, if I can save your leg, you're still going to basically have a prosthetic leg. You're going to have, you know, a metal ankle. You're going to have a metal leg. But 
would you want me to save your skin? And I said, yes. Wow. And so I just have this image in my head of the prosthetics that they do at the VA because my husband's military and at the VA, you see them all the time. They don't, it's not the uh, wooden, not wooden, the plastic fleshly looking like it's a, it's a rod with a little foot at the end. And I'm thinking in my head, that's what's inside of you, except he decided to wrap it in flesh. He did. And not plastic. That's correct. Yeah. And so what I didn't realize, and this is something that I've had to work through, is that people will forget and not know that I'm hurt because my leg looks normal. Yes. And I'm so happy that my leg looks normal. But when I've been looked at before, like, why are, why do you have a handicap tag in your car? Why are you coming out of the handicap bathroom? Why? It's not an obvious, it's not an obvious ailment. Yeah. And so I've had to wrestle with that, um, you know, questions um, or just people realizing that, like, please don't step on my ankle. Please don't get too close to my leg. If it you would, only knew. You know, it would cause a lot of pain if you bump into me. And that's so apparent when someone's missing a leg. Yeah, you walking through a scan, like at the airport, or you just, you are uh, about 40% titanium. Yes. <laughs> and so it's like, I'm, you know, I'm so thankful that I was able to keep my leg and have skin. Like that is an absolute blessing, it's a miracle. but it did bring about a different challenge that I didn't expect. Yeah. So long story short, I'm, I'm in the hospital, um, surgery after surgery, I'm on morphine, I'm on a fentanyl patch and I'm taking over 800 milligrams of oxycodone every day and Jeez. I am still in pain. Yeah. It's not touching. It. And I'm awake. Yes. Because what I didn't realize is that when people are completely knocked out with pain medicine, it's because they're taking exactly what they need or even a little bit more. But when you're taking taking it and it's still not touching your pain, it's actually focusing all of the medicine on your pain. Mm. And so I'm cognizant. Mm-hmm. I'm having normal conversation. Now, there were moments after surgery that I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I, yes, I'm on all of this medication. I'm in pain. I'm have very limited visitors, visiting hours because of how horribly I was doing. Mm-hmm. So basically I'm in a hospital bed alone, unable to move, only able to stare at the ceiling. Oh, and I think you told me you couldn't eat. No. You had to be fed. I had to be fed because I had no use of my arm. No use of your arms. Or my legs or my hands. And so you could just move your eyeballs. I could move my eyeballs. So I can't even call a nurse oh if I need one because I have nothing that I can touch the, you know, they're like, and without thinking they're leaving and saying, well, you know, like page me if you need me. I'm like, with what? What? How, How? do I, I can see the button that I should be able to push, but I don't have any way to push it. What a living nightmare. And so it's suffocating. You know, it's suffocating that, that I'm just laying there. I'm and thinking to myself, without my phone, you know, you can't even watch YouTube. You can't watch a sermon. You can't just pick up a magazine. can't just pick up a book. I mean, you can't even thumb through the magazine or book. you got no fingers. Yes. Or thumbs to scroll the phone. Yes. Or, or, or push buttons on a remote. Yes. So you're sitting there. I'm laying there. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Unable to move. Can't roll over. Um, can't so I can't alleviate any of the pressure on my back unless someone comes in and does it. Yeah, which is honestly, guys, at the hospital, it's every four hours. Just let you know that's rotation time. Yes, four. And so it's I'm just alone there with my thoughts and and wow, 
And what I'm not realizing is I'm learning how to become an intercessor. I don't realize that at the time, but I'm just, God, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. You've got to show up. You've got to show up for me. You've got to come into this hospital room. You've got to come help me. Yeah. And so night after night, after day, after day. And so, and I'm, I keep asking him, I'm asking Jeff when he comes to visit me, how's my mom? There's no change. She hasn't woken up. You know, she's not expected to live. And my biggest prayer in the hospital is, Lord, please let her live long enough for me to go to her funeral. Please. You know, the book of Proverbs, she taught me. She taught me that her children are rise up and call her blessed. Yeah. And please, 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 please. And so on July 3rd, they do the last surgery on me. And they said that you're, you're going to be able to go home. You're going home with an X-fix. We're not able to close your leg um, because of all the inflammation. You're going to be in a wheelchair for at least four months. My arms are casted. I still have no use of anything. Wow. And they wanted me to go straight to a rehab center, but I, I needed to go home. My children were very upset. And what I was hearing is Landon, who's only five, in his mind, if if mama was in the wreck and she's going to die, then mommy was mommy's going to die too because she was in the wreck. Mm-hmm. And so even though they're saying mommy's going to live, he's not seeing me. And so he's not believing that. So I know my children are going through their own trauma. Oh, yeah. you know, they have their own story. Jeff has his own story. Right. And so I'm like, I have to get home. And so they're like, we're going to do a surgery to where you can get home but you're going to have to have 24-hour care. You know, you, you, you can't even pick up your own medicine and put it in your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't brush your hair. You can't brush your teeth. You can't feed yourself. You can't go to the bathroom by yourself. You are literally paralyzed. Basically, yes. I mean, you weren't neurologically. Right. But you were for a season. I was. Yeah. And so I wake up from this surgery and the doctor comes in. It's about 11 o'clock at night. And he goes, the surgery was a, was a success. And we believe that um, next week you're going to be able to, to go home. Two hours later, my mom passes, passes away. Yeah. And so I knew Jeff comes into the hospital room at 4 o'clock that morning. And were I could just in tell. in the same hospital? We were not. Oh, okay. She was at Gwinnett Medical. I was in Atlanta Medical. Oh, okay. And so he came in, and I could just tell by his face, like, mom is gone. And as much as I was grieving that, I was also recognizing you answered my prayer because I'm going to go home and I'm going to speak at her funeral from my wheelchair. Oh, praise God. And so I did. You know, they delayed her funeral for a week so that I could get home, figure out how to be in a wheelchair to speak, you know, and and I'm even going to be speaking on all of this pain medication. And so I was able to, you know, the Lord gave me the ability to speak at my mom's funeral to honor her well. And I wanted to be able to be the one to speak because I was the last one with her mm-hmm. and to just even share, like nobody knew what she had said. No one knew that she's in essence telling me she's ready to go be with Jesus That's the minute that he calls. Wild. So I'm sharing this at her funeral and it's helping my family and her friends put pieces together that they didn't have. Yeah. That is, that's bringing all of this about. 
what I think is so amazing and guys what you don't know about Amy is like I was saying at the very beginning she's an incredible speaker and a communicator and she preaches to to thousands um and this was way before you know Pastor Jeff, which is your husband, Jeff Lyle, Pastor Jeff Lyle, which pastors uh, the church at Winder now, but it was at Meadowbridge, and he's been doing this for a long time, preaches to, to thousands himself, but you've always been but like the background singer behind and you were perfectly okay with that. And then in this moment, you didn't even know that the Lord was calling you to be a preacher or to be an evangelist to thousands, which you are now. He was doing that in your most vulnerable moment, pushed you out. You were speaking. You were talking to people in a moment of just pure grief Yes, and lifting others up. I mean, you were you, the Lord was already shoving you out there before you even knew what you were called to do in this moment. It's just, to me, when I put all these pieces together, like, uh, it's extraordinary. Um, the, the Lord's hand in all of this in moments when you thought that maybe, or you guys listening, you think that maybe the, the Lord's not with you. He's absent. You're not hearing him. Why am I going through this? Why in the world am I sitting in a wheelchair having to speak to other people? I'm on pain medication, all these things. Yes. But you can't see what's 10 years ahead. That's exactly right. And so, yes, I mean, really my first other than like, you know, saying something quick on Mother's Day, my first, you know, public speaking was at my mother's funeral. And I realized it it, it emboldened me because I had so been for this month prior, I'm so close to the Lord hearing from him. I had a story. I had a story to share about my trauma, but his goodness. And I was sharing it even at her funeral. Um, Someone was saved at her funeral. And I'm hearing for months and months and months, you know, from people who our story was encouraging. So I go home in a wheelchair. I have to learn how to walk again. Um, I, you know, that was the beginning. It's like, it sounds like the end of the story. And it was really the beginning of what was going to be this really long trial of learning how to feed myself, walk again. You know, that's not even like getting back to normal life. Mm -hmm. That's just relearning the basic things. And my friend had had a a child like the year before, and she was like 10 months old. And it was like this joke between us of like, who was going to learn how to walk first, me or the baby? Yeah. And, you know, we're both taking, you know, tiny steps and we're, I'm in rehab and I'm grieving. And that was the thing. The Lord had to come so close because you know, it's like I would have needed help just to have been in that accident, what I saw, what I felt. But then on top of that, I have all the things that I'm looking at a body that used to go to um, high end aerobics every morning mm-hmm. and walked for miles. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking two steps a day. Mm-hmm. And then I'm grieving my mom on top of that. It was like there was nothing in my life that was untouched by this moment. Right. And then I'm wrestling with forgiving this man that caused it. Now, I know that you've told me, but what caused him to head on collide with you? Was it he was a drunk driver? They believe that he was texting. and To so, go over a median texting? So he just crossed, you know, the yellow line. The yellow line. Hit us head on. Okay. And so, 
uh, yeah, like all of that is in my mind and heart and I'm having to, to figure out like, what do I even tackle? Well, of course, the first thing I have to tackle is the physical because I have to learn how to feed myself. I need to learn how to go to the bathroom alone again. But what, what is happening is I'm being driven to the Lord because he is the only one who can help me. And he is the only one who can bring any amount of comfort there. There is a pain and a grief that you realize it doesn't matter who shows up. They cannot help. And so I'm having to go to the Lord for this. And what I don't even realize until I look back is that I just developed this massive story in history with God. Mm. And that I'm just surviving, but what's happening is I'm learning how to walk with the Lord through the most intense situations. And he now is going to use me as a beacon of hope to speak to other people. Because I'm telling you, Lauren, I had more joy in that season than I had ever had because there was so much grace for me. There was so much grace during that time. And if you've heard me say this, I say this all the time. That when the level of trial goes up, the grace comes up as well. Yes. And it's why we can't picture ourselves when we're going through famine, (laughs) when we're going through this, because there's not grace for it in this moment. The grace arrives at At the moment. moment. That reminds me of the scripture that we've all heard. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which you basically walked through it. Yes. It's dark. It's, it's death. Dark. I shall feel no, I should fear no evil. Yes. Yes. At it, that moment. He, he shows up in a way that if you've never been through something like I've been through, you don't even realize, you don't even realize how intimate he'll become in that moment. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I say this before we, you know, we have a, a handicapped child in our, in our family. She's a cousin of mine. And, you know, we may get together and we may not love Kelly more mm-hmm. than Lynn and Alicia. You know, we may not have more fondness, but I can tell you this. We watch her closer. Mm-hmm. Like our eyes are on her. Right. Because she's the one that has the biggest needs in the room. I became that to the Lord. Oh yeah. You know, he was, yes, he's a father to all and people are out sharing the gospel and preaching the good news. His eyes were on the one that needed him the most. And I felt that I was a recipient of that. Mm -hmm. And so I told him, if you will bring me through this, I will share it. Mm. I will share my story because it will encourage others because you know who I listened to during that time Johnny Erickson Tata Mm. you know I went to people because when you're in a wheelchair and can't move you don't want to hear I'm just being very honest you don't want to hear it from the mentality of I'm just too blessed to be stressed seriously you know I went through the same thing the healthy wealthy Mm. whoever on tv just made me want to vomit that's never been sick right never buried anything a close family member like that what they were not ministering to me (laughs) in that moment no I wanted to hear from someone and even Paul himself you know it's like we're cast down, but not destroyed. You know, our theology has to line up with that. A lot of our theologies want to say, we're never cast down. That's not what he said. That's not he what said he's cast down, but not destroyed. He's this, but not that. Yeah. And so it's how to come in to the tension of that. No, there are some really, really hard things, but 
God is good and we're not destroyed. It's not that those bad things never come. Mm -hmm. And if your theology won't allow for that, it can become really, really uh, heartbreaking and disappointing when the trouble actually does come and visit you. Let me ask you this with the little bit of time that we have left. Because there's so much to unpack with. Um, this is why I say, guys, I love it when she tells the story because <laughs> there's just so many layers and, and depths to it because there's so much. There's the physical part of it. There's the spiritual part of it. There's the mental part of it. But for the listeners listening to this, they, they what would be your tip for someone in a mental place? Because I can just see it. You're, you're home. The lights have gone out. You know, there's there's no more laughter or talking. It's just you in the bed, Amy. You're broken. Um, your life has changed. You're no longer able to do. You said something that struck me a while ago. She, you're like, you know, the littlest things I can no longer do with my family. Like I have to watch my family walk up Stone Mountain. I have to sit in the car. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to, I can't go do these things like Disney World or things with my family or Israel trips or things that, that, that you used to be able to do in your past life as being unshattered. And when you're laying in the bed, how did you not go to that depression place? How did you not, like, what were the steps that you were taking for someone listening to this, feeling like they're being pulled into that depression estate? I mean, what was your routine like? How did you talk yourself out of it with the Lord? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and for anyone who has dealt with something physically long time, I mean, uh, long term, what you just said is good. Because even last vacation, I'll watch my my family race go-karts. right. You know, and so this is an ongoing thing that I'm still pressing in for healing, but it's a very lonely place to sit in a car and watch your family do things that you used to do with them. And so I have said before that I usually don't say I have joy. I say I fight for my joy. Got it. Because it is a battle and it is a fight. And if you don't fight for it from that position, you will not have it. And it is a every day I'm going to fight for my joy. I'm going to press in. I'm going to be Jacob who who wrestles like I am hanging on until you bless me. Yes. And no matter what that looks looks like. And, you know, Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life he from did. that wrestle. You're right. Yep. <laughs> he got blessed, but he walked with a limp. And so it is grabbing hold of the Lord and not letting him go. I listen to a lot of worship music. I listen to a lot of sermons. Did you ever get on antidepressants? Not that if you are, it's we're saying it's wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you. I didn't. No, okay. I did not. Um, I just, I knew that the Lord was going to carry me through if I would rely on him in, in that way. And I'm certainly not against antidepressants right. either. There's I, a season for these things. There was. And there was a season for me to be on narcotics. Oh, that's right. Pain meds. You know, praise God that I'm not on any medication today. Zero. Um, but that's been it, you know, an 11 year journey of doing that. And the Lord healed incrementally. You know, he did that in scripture as you go yeah. on your way. And I am that testimony that I have been healed as I have gone on my way, but I'm still pressing in for further healing. But my last thoughts, I know I've gone like away over time. So thank you for hanging in there with us <laughs> listeners is that, That is why I'm passionate even about this podcast. Mm -hmm. That is why I can talk about the end times and have courage because of what I've been through. And so I want to share that with people. I want to share that story that I'm not just, oh, we're going to be fine because we're God's children. Like, no, like he has really shown up for me. So I know he will again. Yeah. 
Like I, I know that history. I know what he does Mm -hmm. when things get hard. I've tested him in that way. He's proven himself in that way. But it's also what led me to the bread that, oh, wow, if I have these physical issues, I need, I need good things going into my body to help me feel good. And then again, the vitamin B that, you know, is connected to mental health. Yeah. That's connected to nervous disorders oh, and right. that the, the bread is filled with vitamin B. So that my story is what made me so passionate even about the bread, which is why I share about the bread and I share about the Lord now. And yes, there's just, there's too much to unpack, but you know, God was just so good during that time. He's still so good. I still believe that all of this metal will be disappearing I believe that too. Now, for some of y'all listening going, what are you talking about? Look, we've seen it and you can't talk me out of it. We've seen so many miracles at Christ Fellowship alone in the revival that we're at. I mean, legs growing back two inches, um, ears opening that don't even have an eardrum from by birth can hear. You you have witnessed, and I know exactly the ministry you're talking about. What is her name? She operates in a prison ministry. And yet for Souza. Katie Souza. And so she's had multiple people who have had titanium plates for whatever reason have been put back together then has dissolved and just creative miracles and so I believe that but what I also love about you Amy and and people that have ever met Amy heard Amy speak um this place that she's talking about with that she's in now that we're in when you've gone through so much trauma and that's why the podcast is so important is is that when we talk about the end times and we talk about the Lord returning and all the things in the revelation that are to go down and we don't know what we're going to face until we're caught up. But when I talk to you about it, when you talk to me about it, it's like, there's no fear, right? Because we've seen hell yes, and hell did not take us out. The Lord brought us through it. And like you were saying, we literally saw him show up yes. when there was no other way. Yes. So why wouldn't he again? Yeah. And it just builds your faith. It does. It completely builds your faith. And, and I look forward, you know, next week you're going to share, you know, your testimony and which is just as powerful, very different, but just as powerful. And I think our listeners, you know, will probably, again, some will be able to, uh, they'll, your story will resonate with them and others, their story will resonate with me. And, and some are like, wow, we've not been through anything like this, Okay, but they're okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if that's the, the biggest message is like, here we sit, you know, in my living room at the moment, you know, doing this podcast and we're okay because God brought us through and that's testimony in and of itself. Yeah, you know, it goes back to, you know, just little things in our life. Like I, I one I'll just pinpoint, you know, people are like, I can't believe your husband just decided to just open up and quit his job and start a business. How do you know that you guys are going to be okay? Well, I, I've seen him do it. Yes. And when you know that you know that you know, there's no fear. That's exactly right. And to the right. state, every bill has been paid. And, you know, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you fear no evil, he shows up. Yes. And then when you start crossing over these faith jumps that you have to, to jump. Um, yes. Every single time he, he shows, shows up. up every single time. So I want to thank um, all of you who just tuned in today to this, a very, very long 
um, podcast and just hung in there with me to let me share my story. I hope that it encourages, encourages you. I hope it gives you that courage that this podcast is about. I encourage you to tune in next week to hear Lauren's uh, testimony. I'm going to be interviewing her and I just know that that's going to be a blessing as well. So thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week. See you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining in today. We really appreciate and love every one of you. We always want to leave you with tools and resources that will help you prepare for the days ahead. We have links in every comment section, whether you're on the podcast, just listening audibly, or whether you're on YouTube, check the comment section. We have links for Amy's counseling, my prof- uh, prophetic financial information, all is there to be able to help you. We're here to serve you. We love you, and we'll see you next time.